Welcome friends. We are your hosts, Sandy and Wade, baby best friends turned husband and wife and business partners. This podcast is for the dreamers, the movers and shakers, and those who seek to attract their dream life. Strap in, getting magnetic in three, two, one. Like attracts like. If you see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. You just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. And then from that point, the universe is going to get out your way. This moment in time, this is your time to rise. What is going on? Happy Wednesday, Getting Magnetic family. Today, we have the privilege of welcoming Jeremy Slate onto our podcast. He is the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which in essence studies the high performers in the world, which is something you know that Sandy and I do ourselves. He also works with his wife, Brielle, and they have co-founded the Command Your Brand media company, which helps leaders use the power of podcasts to change the world. And What's really cool is, you know, all of our prior guests have been people that we know and mentors or friends of ours. And Jeremy, we're getting to know Jeremy with you on this episode. His, you know, PR firm reached out to us, said, hey, you know, you've got a really cool show. I think I could add value to your audience. I'd love to like to kick it with you guys and, and, and hop on your podcast. So here we are. We're getting to know Jeremy. We're excited for today's uh, episode. And with that said, let's get into it. So before we dive into today's episode, you know, a lot of you have reached out and been super inspired by the life that we've been able to build. And I want to empower you to know that you can do that same thing. Wade and I were not born better at being an entrepreneur. We are still figuring it out every single day, but you absolutely can do this too. And if you have a desire to show up bigger, if you know that you were made for more, if you want to spread your wings and have a ripple effect that can have a global impact. If you are passionate about stepping into the best version of you, about focusing on personal growth, about mindset work, about being the healthiest version of you, helping other people do the same, it would be crazy for you not to take a serious look at what Wade and I do. So reach out to me personally on Instagram at sandyclaw 7 You can reach out personally to Wade at Wellness with Wade. You can reach out to us on our podcast which is at getting magnetic, but it would be so smart for you to take a look. It may be a fit for you. It may not, but this has changed our world, our life, and it can do the same thing for you. And actually, before we get into the interview, I got to shout out Jeremy. He is, you know, an entrepreneur. He's been featured in Forbes. He's worked with people like Grant Cardone. So someone who is definitely making moves in the entrepreneurship world and excited to just to learn a thing or two from him about building a brand, about building a, a media company, about being an entrepreneur, about really creating your own life. So welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm, I'm stoked to, to be here. I, you know, I love your vibe, and I'm just really excited to add some value to your tribe today. I, I appreciate, honestly, being like the, the first person that like, you know, wasn't a leader in your life to, to be here. I just, I'm really humbled and honored for that, guys. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about you. Tell us, yeah. like, where you live, like about your family life, like give us the background on Jeremy. Yeah. So I, I currently live in New Jersey. Uh, we're actually looking to move to Pennsylvania next year, but I've been here uh, my entire life. And I grew up in a small town that's five eighths of a mile in size. And like, if you go to college, it's like kind of a big deal. Um, so like, because of that, like I was always told like the path, to, like everything you want was like, you go to college and then you get a better education. You do this. So like, because of that, like 
you know, I went to college, I studied literature uh, at Oxford University in England, and I actually came back and got my master's in ancient history. And it's kind of like, all right, you've got all these degrees, like, what do you like do with that? So like, my mm -hmm. goal was to be a college professor. So I applied to one school, which is NYU, I didn't get in. So like, you get to that point, and you're like, okay, so like, what's the logical next step here? So like, in Jersey, you like don't need a teaching certificate in order to teach at private school. So um, I ended up actually teaching at a, uh, a private school here in New Jersey. And like, I was two years into that. I was miserable, like absolutely miserable. And, um, you know, I just wasn't very happy about it. And then like, in two, when I was 24, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. Um, and it made me kind of look at a lot of things that, you know, I had been doing in my life. And my wife was presented uh, with a network marketing opportunity. I didn't know what that was. So it was kind of like the first thing to like do something new. And I'm like, wow, these people are, are pretty cool. So it was kind of the first thing to like get me moving. Um, you know, I made some money, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really like where I found my area of genius. And I went from there to selling life insurance. Uh, I guess you guys can probably see a theme here. Like I sold a lot of things, you know, that went from there to <laughs> selling life insurance, which I was really good at. I just hated those conversations of sitting down with somebody and being like, so you need this because you're going to die. Like it was just kind of a weird way to go through your day. You know what I mean? Like, and I, kind of a negative the, undertone. Yeah. yeah. Like, and like, kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back is like, you know, after a certain age, you like aren't allowed to sell insurance to people, but you, you have an obligation to visit them. And I like, didn't read the notes in this one guy. And I didn't realize his wife had just passed away. So he's 80 years old. And I come in, I'm trying to like be all nice and everything. I didn't realize like literally his wife had just passed. So like, he kicked me out of his house. Like it just was not a good opportunity. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do this every day of my life. So I went from there to then uh, private labeling and selling products on Amazon. And I left the like, you know, one of the strategies you do is like sell your product really cheap to like get a lot of them sold in the beginning. I left the get my product for a dollar promo code on my listing and lost all 250 of my products to the same address in Maryland in about 20 minutes. So that was <laughs> kind, of the end, kind of the end of my Amazon business. Like, so I, I didn't have a lot of things really going well for me here. So um, I basically was like, okay, I guess it's, you know, time to like get a job again. Like I didn't really know what else to do. So I taught myself how to build websites by uh, reading uh, blogs and watching YouTube videos. So I ended up actually working at a friend's marketing firm. And I had like loved podcasts since like 2007. So I'm like, all right, like, let me just do this passion project. Let me just do this to like, you know, educate people. Because like, for me, like, things that went well when I was a student, right? Like, I was really good at being a student. But when I went to being a teacher, I don't know, I like tried to take on this new like way of being and it wasn't it wasn't the student, right? Like, I think we see that. So when I went back to being a student in the podcast, like it took off. We had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. I connected with a lot of people that I really, really admired. And, you know, all of a sudden I was teaching people in a very, very different way. And I was enjoying it, which is pretty incredible. And it led to uh, the business and everything else we're doing now. Like, it's just, it's pretty crazy that it's been like, you know, going through each one of these different things to find what I was actually good at and what I actually enjoyed. I love that. What an empowering story. It's funny. We mentioned to you before, like Wade has had a very linear corporate path yeah. up until more recent years. And I relate to your story a lot. I feel like I've had like 12 <laughs> jobs before I came into doing what I'm doing now and finding yeah. a purpose. And like three years ago, if someone asked me like, what do you do? That was like the most dreaded question. I'm like, don't ask me that question, this sensitive topic, because I didn't know how to like, describe i'm like you know what I just try to find like a creative way to say it or make it sound cool because you like just don't know what to how to describe it yes you're like you know what i'm on my way so just stay tuned and like <laughs> i love that i'm on my way and i think i see a lot of similarities you know in both our stories in in jeremy's i mean he he got his mba 
that's similar to what I did, set off with this like intention to, you know, be a teacher, be a college professor, and realizing at the end of the day, you know, this isn't my creative genius. This isn't the way I was meant to serve the world. And then relating to Sandy, where just like keep pounding the stone of like, what is my creative genius? I'm going to keep going until I find that thing that really resonates with me and just go after it. Yeah. And I know, you know, you created Create Your Own Life podcast. And and it's funny because it's kind of, it's a In alignment. representation of what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'll ask you like, what is your creative genius? Do you yeah. feel like you've landed on it? And like, talk, talk to me about that a little bit. Wow, what is my creative genius? I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been asked that question before. That's a really great question. I just want to add something to this, to something Sandy just said, because I think I feel like it's really important. Like you mentioned, like, you know, kind of like working it out to try and figure it out. Like there's a, a, a book that I read that really changed my life. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And because I think mm. so many people think they like need to know what their passion is. And like, it, you don't know it off the gate. Like you don't really know what it is. Like it, it's working at something. You find something you're good at. You continue to work at it, work at it, work at it. And you get passionate once you get really, really good at something. And I think, you know, you need life experience to figure that out. Like you, you do. Um, and I think that goes right along with the idea of creative genius, right? For me, like creating life itself can be an art form, right? You know, like, like what you create and what you build is the ultimate art form. And entrepreneurship itself is an art, right? You're creating something that didn't exist. You're empowering other people. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're building a team. You're, 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 you know, creating jobs. You're doing all these different things. Like that's art. And it's some pretty incredible art because you have to make something that's not going to fall apart. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot to it and a lot more understanding. So to me, creativity is, you know, entrepreneurship is the ultimate art form. It really is because of it's 360 degrees to it, you know? I love that. So true. There's so much creativity in being an entrepreneur. Hearing you say that you did not like your teaching career, like I'm such a big believer that like I've hated things in my past, like certain job, hate is a strong word, but oh, sometimes you have to use it. But I can so relate to that. I think sometimes like when you are so like just down in the dumps about your current situation, like that hunger is necessary for you to become successful at what you're doing. If everything's cushy and comfortable and like your job's not bad, like you're making good money, like where's the driving force? Where's the hunger that's going to propel you into creating new things, into making, you know, big changes. And so I, I see that like, parallel with you that I have, because I've been there too. And that is like the driving force behind, you know, creating a ripple effect, making yeah. big changes, impacting thousands of lives. I love that. Well, you know, what's the crazy part about that too, Sandy is like, like to go to school that long, like I went to college for like six years, like you get there and you're like, you get in the second Same. year of your career and you're like, Oh dear God, I don't like doing this. Like, did I waste my entire <laughs> life getting up to this point? Like, what do I do? And I, and to, and to me, just like from a lot of the people I've spoken to, a lot of like my own life experience at this point, you know, I'm like, I'm in my mid thirties. So it's not like, not like I'm young at this point, but I have some life experience, but like most of what I've gotten the most learning from is from doing. And I just feel like, you know, like the way we're always sold this idea of like, Hey, you know, you go to college and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think there's this big thing of like an apprenticeship missing. Like you figure out what you want to do for a couple of years. You work under somebody else that's good at something and you kind of figure out, do I want to do this? Don't I want to do this? And like, to me, like actually doing something and actually, you know, making the phone calls and actually like, you know, building a business has been a better education than, you know, the student loans I had to pay off a few years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you guys both brought up the point of, you know, 
not liking what you did or, or even more extreme than that, even more powerful, maybe even hating what you did. Yeah. And you know, it makes my let's, I want to open the conversation up to, I feel like I forget what the stat is, but something like 85% of Americans do not like what they do day in, day out, what their career is, what their job is. And yet most people stay in that. Mm -hmm. We are kind of are talking about creating your own life. Okay, so say 85% of people aren't happy with what they do, yet mm -hmm. they, they don't make the jump to make that change to create their own life. From your experience, Jeremy, whether personally or from people you know, what are the characters, qualities, actions, things of the people who decide, you know what, enough is enough, I hate this or I mm -hmm. don't like this, I'm going to make that jump. I'm going to make that jump to creating my own life. Like, what? Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, you know, it's interesting because too, like, and, and I just to add to what you said, like, you know, only 20% of college graduates actually work in the field they went to school for. Like, I, I, <laughs> I it, that's crazy. Like, I think part of the problem is like, we have this weird thing about failure in society. Like we have this idea that like, you set out to achieve this thing at 18. And if you don't have it achieved, like, what's the point? So I, I think it's first of all, like coming to grips with the fact that like, not everything's that way. And you were kind of sold a lie. It is what it is. Like, you don't have to have that. But I think for me, like what I've learned from people that create their own life is they look at adversity itself as a tool, right? They look at it as something that they can grow from. Like, you know, we talked about Grant Cardone, like in his mid twenties, he was in drug rehab and told him, had somebody tell him he was never going to make it. He looked at that adversity and like, he was willing to, you know, he, he talks about being willing to sweep urine off the floor and stuff like that. Like people that are willing to create their own life are willing to go to extremes because they know they're not going to have to do it that long, right? to be able to create something more. And I think it's, it's having that vision of looking at, you know, this situation is difficult and it's rough and I'm willing to work through it because what is on the other side is incredible. So I think they, they don't shy away from adversity and they look at that as an ability to grow, right? You know, like, sure, I didn't do, like doing life insurance, but learning how to make 100 phone calls a day is one of the best things I've ever learned how to do because I can talk to anybody. So I, I feel like they look at adversity as a tool and that's a really, really key thing. And I think another thing too, which I think we allow people to do too often is, they don't let other people define their success, right? Like I, I know for me, like when I first started my, my very first business, I got a lot of brushback to my friends because I'm from a small town. So like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you're not worth that or you can't do that or you're only going to do, like we let other people define our success when what I've learned, um, especially by people that are, you know, creating a life on their own terms, they look at that and they say, hey, I can understand where you're coming from. Um, I can understand you want the best for me, but what I want and what you want don't agree. So you know, let's agree to disagree on that. And, you know, if we could still be friends, great. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to let you define that for me because I define my own life success. And I just feel it's so important to kind of have your life on those terms, right? Because whether it's our mm -hmm. parents or whether it's our friends or whether it's, you know, like our college professors, whatever it may be, we define our success by what others tell us. And you can't create something like that because people put barriers there for you. You can't put those barriers there yourself. Mm, so good. I think people are trained to look for jobs, not opportunities. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I so feel you on the naysayers. I have had so many of them in my life. And why do they always have to be like people that you're like, really you like <laughs> someone that's like, I don't know, like it's oftentimes some of the closest people in your life that can't seem to show that support. And I have yeah. really learned and I'm reminded of this often is that it's people that are doing more than you will never criticize you. It's people doing less. 
They're trying yeah. to like keep you average mm -hmm. and they're trying to keep you there so that they feel not so bad about the lack of what they're doing and the lack of the dreams that they're chasing, right? Yeah, like, calling them out. I'm sorry. That's the truth. You guys, but you're so right. And I, I feel, I feel like I understand you guys because I feel like you get me because like that, that's one of the biggest things. Like people don't like people that are naysayers, they don't do it because uh, like they don't want to see you succeed. They do it because of fear of their own failings, where if you succeed, it means that the fact that they didn't reach higher isn't a good thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a self-preservation thing. And I, I've, you know, I've heard it said before that, you know, mm -hmm. one of the saddest things about human beings is self-preservation because they do some things that don't really, you know, aren't really great for others, but like people are afraid to reach. So they make other people wrong for reaching. And, that, and that's just a, a sad thing. It really is. And it comes back to, you know, the human brain just naturally, like scientifically, like physiologically, like it craves safety and security. Yep. So that is why. 85% of us might be in a job that we don't like, but we're willing to put up with it because we mm -hmm. got the benefits. We know a paycheck's coming in every two weeks, but at the end don't of the day, the health insurance. don't forget about the health insurance. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll find it, you because for that we one. know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's security there. There's comfort in knowing. And, you know, we're scared of the unknown and scared of the discomfort of, of that lack of security. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what entrepreneurship is. Like you said, back to it. It's like, it's failing. It's being willing to go out on a limb and failing and having a vision for what you want to create and knowing you're not going to fail as long as you don't give up. You just keep pounding that stone. You, you keep like water, right? Like water never fails. It just yeah. finds ways to go through and around and it finds its way. And, and that's what entrepreneurship is. And it's, it's just such an amazing thing to think about too, as yeah. far as, and a lot of people probably listening right now might be in a nine to five might be desiring, you know, entrepreneurship or the ability to create their own life. 2020 has been a wild year. It's 2021. Like it's a new year ready to create our own lives. And it's really just about like, yeah, taking that action, feeling the fear, doing it anyway, and getting out of the nine to five mindset. I think that is huge. Like for me, it took me a little bit of time to get out of that desk job, nine to five mindset of like, okay, this is when I work. This is when I'm free. When you're an entrepreneur, you're always on. You could always take off, but there's always things to do. There's always stuff to think about. And it's just about like kind of going for it. I want to backtrack. I just add something to that real quick before you do. Yeah, I, yeah. Re, you made out. a really, really key point there. You made, and, and because I think so many times people think a job is security, right? Like in, actu in actuality, you know, the only security you have is in your health, yourself, your own skill set and your own ability because you can get fired. The economy can change. You could, it, anything could happen. But if you put security in yourself, your own skill set, and what you learn and continue to improve that, that's where security actually is. But continue. You were, you were saying about Grant Cardone. I just, you made a really important point. I just wanted to add to that. No, thank you. Thank you for jumping in. I love the free flow and back and forth. So we caught up with Jeremy right before we hopped on this interview. And he just mentioned, I was like, how'd you get connected with Grant? And I think it's a perfect microcosm or example of getting magnetic. Grant yeah. Cardone, for those of you that might not know him, is like one of today's probably biggest or best entrepreneurs. He's If he's not a billionaire, he's approaching there. He's a real estate mogul. He's an amazing investor. He's created a lot of companies, created a lot of value for a lot of people um, and created a brand. And so that's kind of who Grant is. Jeremy has gotten the privilege to 
interview him on the podcast and get to know him. Tell us that story. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was episode 154. So it took me a while, like, you know, 154 episodes in to get it. But like the, the thing I, 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 you and I were talking about in the beginning is like, you got to kind of put yourself in the situations to get, you know, what you want from life, right? You know what I mean? Like you have to continually like put the ideas there, put the thoughts there, put the, you know, kind of speak things into being. And I think that's really important. Like I had reached out to Grant's team seven times over a year and a half. And every time I got no, um, no follow up. The final one I got was, you know, once you 10x your numbers, we'll talk. I'm like, I'm doing like 20,000 an episode. You want me to do 200,000 an episode? So I was like, you know, it's just basically, you know, the gatekeeper, like they're kind of paid to, you know, not waste Grant's time. So I happened to like be working at a fundraiser, like literally hanging scaffolding, like literally just hanging scaffolding. And my phone vibrates and my wife's like, you're never going to believe who's over here. It's Grant Cardone. I'm like, what, really? Um, so I come over and, and my wife's like, hey, I was just talking to Mr. Cardone. This is my husband, blah, blah, blah. So uh, then, and he goes, oh, cool, man. What do you do? I'm like, oh, I have a podcast. Um, you know, I did the, oh, you have a podcast. Tell me about that podcast. So, like, it was really interesting because like, you know, he's like, he's a, like you said, he's a famous guy, big guy. You think like people like that want to talk about themselves all the time. All he did was ask me questions about me and what I was doing. You get to the end, he goes, oh, I'd love to be on that podcast. I'm like, wait, you would? Your, your team doesn't think so. So he's like, oh, this is exactly who you're going to talk to. This is what you're going to tell them. Uh, and if you have a problem, this is who you're going to call. I'm like, okay, cool. So we got it booked. Um, it was at that time, um, it was a major bump to my audience growth because, you know, something he doesn't typically do is share at interviews, but he put it on his Facebook, he put it on his Instagram, he put it on YouTube. So we, we saw a lot of growth from that. And I, I am a firm believer that if I hadn't, you know, been continually working in that and continually deciding that I wanted that interview, it never would have happened. Wow. I love that story so much. That was you truly like getting magnetic on having it. Like it was, yeah. it was going to happen. We just didn't know how, but I love that it did. And his book is one of my favorites. When I reflect on us really um, diving into what we do now and really becoming successful in entrepreneurship, Grant Cardone's book, Be Obsessed or Be Average was one of the first that we listened to or like mm -hmm. read through and really digested. And I just love his, he's very intense, but yeah. I love his overall. And I love listening to him on audio because he's a great audible. Listen, I like yells at you. It's great. Yes. I'm like, wow. Okay. 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 You're right. You're right. But I just love his overall message of like, be obsessed with what you do or be yeah. average like everyone else. And it's like, yeah. damn, calling me out. Feet to the fire. Society tells you like, don't do too much of that. Moderate it, you know, like slow down. It's like, but like, you know, you guys have sp spoken to a lot of successful people and you're both very successful. Like, I'm sure like if you were doing that, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's by telling you like not to go for it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Okay. I want to um, shift gears really quick. I think Brielle, your wife and you work yeah. together and obviously Wade and I work together. And I always hear people say like, Oh, that must be so hard. Like it's, you know, it's not super smart. I don't know how you don't. <laughs> right? Same. You're like, it's not smart. Like, you you know, you're doing Keep a relationship. business and, and marriage separate. Yeah, people like have this whole like misconception and we're like, we love it. Like, so tell me a little bit about that. So first of all, so my wife's been uh, in PR for like 10 or 11 years. So it's like interesting because like we were on very opposite ends of the spectrum when we met and somehow like now like we end up working together. So like, you know, it's my kind of like, you know, podcasting, internet marketing savvy mixed with her PR savvy. So it's been pretty incredible. But at the same time, like, I don't know how to explain like the relationship we have. Like you ever like, I'll think a thought and she thinks it or she <laughs> thinks a thought and I know it. And like, I always explain it by this like one story. So like in 2000 and gosh, I'm really thinking back here, 2012, maybe 2013. So she went for this contest called the Rose of Tralee. 
it's kind of like Miss America, but for Ireland. Um, mm. So like she was like a finalist for the contest and she's in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. She had her two cousins on the float with her. There's a big crowd. And, you know, the float goes by a couple minutes later. I get this weird thought. Oh, my gosh. My at the time, my fiance lost the kids like she, they, she had an eight year old and a five year old. I'm like, she lost the kids. So I'm like, man, I should really go find them. So I'm walking around. I find the two kids by themselves. Cell phones won't work or anything like that. I finally get a call from her. She goes, oh, my God, I lost my cousins. I'm like, I know I found them. So like we kind of have this like relationship where we're able to kind of fill in each other's like what we need and we just know it. So like working together, like we've been able to fill in each other's gaps. Like, you know, I can be a bit of a hothead at times. My wife knows how to calm me down. So like, you know what I mean? Like, like I feel like having that you balance each other out. And that's why we've been able to grow the team we've been able to grow because we do that. And at the same time, when you build your life around your business, like, you know, I spoke in Ukraine last year. We went to five countries after that. It was incredible. Um, you know, we've been to like 20 something countries like for work, which has been incredible. Like what, a, what, where else could you do that? Like if you didn't have a business together and write it off for a tax benefit, that in itself is, is incredible. <laughs> so like, I, I, there's so many opportunities to that, that you just wouldn't have. And also I think at the same time, it puts you on the same page, right? Because like, I can't imagine like, you know, you have to work these extra hours and your spouses and your business and like, doesn't understand you have to do that, right? Like it could create some like contention at home. Like, I just, I just think it makes everything flow easier. And since you're working on the same page for the same purpose, like it pushes you in this right direction. So true. Everything works so synergistically together when you do business and life together. And we are the same way. We finish each other's thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sometimes when we go on dates, it's like, hey, let's just like not talk about, let's just talk about us and our and like, but then it's like, but wait, our life is our business. Right. Our life is all these things. Like we, we can't seem to not bring up like it's, work related things. Yeah. It's so we're so passionate about it. We did that last Friday. I'm like, I know we're always like in business, but I feel like sometimes I don't make enough room for you as my wife. Can I just take you out to dinner tonight? And we just not talk about anything. And somehow we still end up talking about business. Like it's just, it's just life. <laughs> exactly. I think it's creating a life you don't want to escape from. Like when, you know, when you think about the life you want and let's say you want love, let's say you want yeah. a wife or a husband, let's say you want to build a legacy through family, whatever that is, like you get, you attach and, and with someone who wants a lot of those same things. And so you're kind of moving towards this direction, hopefully, you know, if you're married in, in what you want out of life. And then business is just an extension of that. And it's like, you create, like, it's all like Sandy, like you both mentioned, it's synergistic. It all goes into one. So like, it's not like, oh, we're working. Our work like is our life. Like it, and I don't say that work is life. I say everything throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our month, it all just meshes and flows synergistically together. I also think what you touched on, Jeremy, on balancing each other out and filling each other's gaps is huge. Yep. If, if yeah. you are thinking about going into business with your spouse, it's, I think, one important thing. One, it's not necessarily easy, but it's worth it. So trust us when we say it's worth it. And it's, it will take growing pains. It'll take understanding each other. And it'll take understanding... I think, okay, what is Sandy best at? What is her creative genius? I know she is amazing at empowering people and making them feel like special and loved. And it's so authentic in the way she does it. Mm -hmm. And so she has her strengths. That's, that's just one of them. And she also has big vision. She casts vision. She is an abundant thinker. Like I think I'm an abundant thinker. And then I, I think about how Sandy thinks. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, but then from there, I also think, okay, my brain might think more rationally or logistically or in systems or structures and business needs vision and business mm -hmm. needs structure. 
So then we think like, okay, where can we lean into our creative geniuses? And like, I'm not going to get Sandy bogged down in, in the accounting or finances of our business or structuring, setting up systems in place to do podcast interviews or different stuff. I'm like that stuff I'm good at. I'm going to let her flow and do her thing. So I think knowing strengths, knowing weaknesses and, and really supplementing each other and like making each other better is huge in that sense. You know, it's funny. So I feel like I'm more like Sandy and my wife's more like Wade, apparently, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like, I feel like every like business group I've ever been a part of, like people talk about their goals and I'm like, they're like, yeah, I want to like get a couple more customers. Like I want to take over the world. Um, yeah. like, and, and then she's like, okay, cool. But let's put a plan to that. So you're going to do this step one, step two, step three, step four. So it's like, I, you need that, right? Like, I feel like if you were both in that way, then you kind of be a mess. You know what I mean? And it's, we, we kind of have to have that yin, yin to our yang. Mm-hmm. It's so true. <laughs> I swear. We're, so we're looking at buying a home soon and I'm looking at like a certain price range and she's like, why are you thinking so small? And I'm like, babe, that's <laughs> what you're looking at. Like that house. She's like, we can have this. Like, it's not about the size of your dream. It's like, go for it. It's just do it. Yep. And it, so it's very empowering. And, and, you know, we balance each other out well. But then I'm on the side of like, all right, well, okay, I see your vision. This is going to require a certain amount of bank financing and other things. So like, I'll start lining that up. You have your vision. So it's, it's a great synergy again. Like we're trying to like finally move out of our, our current space. And I'm like, I need at least 6,000 square feet. Come on, anything <laughs> less than that is just like not worth it. Totally. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So tell us a little bit. So your two like main focuses are your podcast and your branding company, right? So the podcast came first, right? Is that correct? Yeah. The podcast came first and basically we're like, Hey, can you do this for me? And like, that's how like the company came to be. Got it. Okay. So like, tell us what that's been like, like we're new to this podcast game. We've been doing this for a couple months. Like we're also at about that 10,000 um, subscribers right now so far. So like we're like following in your footsteps, but walk us through like what that's been like, what you've learned from it. So like, I, I think it's important for us all to like think big with like people that you want to interview. Like that's been really, really important to me because this is the second like go around a podcast. My first one was horrible. Like, you know, no miking. I had an old iBook G4. Like it just, it, it wasn't very good. You know what I mean? So I like, mm-hmm. I think to me, the caliber of people you're bringing to your, your audience is just really, really important. So I made a list um, of the top 100 people I most admired and I was willing to just kind of go for it. Um, I had a lot of yeses and I had a lot of no's. Like the first person I reached out to was Seth Godin. And he was like, that's cool, man. But like when you get to 400, let me know and I'll do it. So he was episode 400. You got to kind of be willing to do that. So like, you know, that's what I did in the beginning. I also have a running spreadsheet where I'm following up with, you know, the people mm. I want to talk to again and again. And again. Um, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. So Brielle must have put that in place. No, I actually did that. I'll take the credit. Okay, for that. look at you go. I, I, I do love my spreadsheets. Um, okay. So like, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. So one day I will get Dave Grohl. He's my number one person I want to interview. Mm. But I'm continually following up with everybody every 30 to 60 days. And, you know, like it took me four years to get Dave Asprey. It took me, mm. um, you know, another three years to get uh, Elio Castaneda as the, the IndyCar driver. So like it's been a lot of like following up in that process. But we had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. Um, you know, I started getting a lot of media attention and stuff like that. So like people started saying to me like, Hey, can you do this for me? So like the first, like, I feel like the first version is never the best version. So like we started mm-hmm. doing this like done for you podcast model. And it was like, literally like, we'll build your website. We'll do your social media. We'll book your guests. Like literally like, you just have to show up. And it was just like, what I was charging for what I was doing was just like, I was charged to be like $1,200 and I was working for like, you know, 150 hours a week. I don't know how many hours are in a week, but a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. So like I wasn't really making any money. And then, you know, since, you know, Brielle is really smart, 
one of the things we were doing when we launched people's podcasts was getting them on other podcasts so that people knew about them and understood their mission and everything like that. So our clients were like, hey, I love the show, but can I just do that? So we cut out the 80% they didn't want, focused on the 20% they did want. And you know that was back in, in 2016. And ever since then, we've been helping people figure out who's your, who's your target public you want to be in front of? Like, how do you tell a better story? And then getting them on the right podcast to do that. So like, you know, we started with a team of just Brielle and myself. And then three and a half years ago, we hired Brooke, who was our first employee. And now like this year, like we've taken advantage of a lot of people like, you know, needing work during the pandemic. And we've gotten to hire some really incredible people that wouldn't typically be available. So, you know, the team's now over over 13 people this year. So it's like, and we've been able to help a lot of incredible clients uh, in that period of time. That's amazing. I love the hundred person list of who you admire. I think Sandy and I have similar lists, but like as far as just for the Getting Magnetic podcast, that's a great call to action. And on that note, I've been really getting magnetic towards Matthew McConaughey. So anyone listening, I can give you his publicist name. Um, You're going to have to write a really good pitch because he told me no, but I can give you the name. There it is. I'm going to go for it. (laughs) He's got actually on Instagram right now. He's like, do your best impersonation of me reading an excerpt from my new book, Green Lights. And if I love it, I'll repost it. So I'm like, there's one of my ends. Here we go. Got to get magnetic to Matthew McConaughey. That that top 100 list, by the way, comes from a really good book by Chet Holmes called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Mm. Awesome, awesome book. Speaking of, I want to ask you, I want to go into kind of like a fire round, like quicker, you know, quick hitting questions. Before I do, I've randomly by like maybe five people been like, you remind me of Matthew McConaughey. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not Southern. I don't speak like him. I don't think I look like him. I don't have the hair, you know, his charm or anything. But one quick side story. So I'm in an airport after a bachelor party, one of my buddies. And like, it was, you know, we were younger. So we were like pretty disheveled after this, after this bachelor party, like we're all in the airport, like, Oh my God, get me home into my bed in the dark immediately with a huge glass of water. And so we're in the security line, like no one's even talking to each other just because we're so drained and tired from the weekend. We all, we're we're all from Boston. Some people have like Boston or Red Sox hats on. And this like 80 year old woman starts kind of like sees us and starts kind of like throwing jabs at us. She's like, I'm a Yankees fan. So we start going back and forth. She takes like particular notice of me for some reason. And we're about to walk through like the security metal detector. And she's like, you know who you look like? And I'm like, who? She goes, Matthew McConaughey. I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, I don't, I don't see it, but thank you. I mean, he's a great looking guy. Like, thank you for that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Basically walks through the metal detector, gets to the other side and grabs her bag. And she turns back to me. I'm on the other side of the metal detector. And she goes, you ever seen Dallas Buyers Club? And all my buddies just start cracking up because, you know, he, he had to lose a lot of weight for that. He played actually someone who's HIV positive in that episode. And so he looked like not prime Matthew McConaughey. So she was basically like dissing me and like she was the oh, wittiest no. eight year old I've ever met. And I'll never forget that moment. It was amazing. So side note, I, I can't wait to tell Matthew that story. <laughs> all right. So we'll fire kick, we'll kick the fire around. You. So okay. you've mentioned a few books, but I have a question for you. Say someone out here is like, it's 2021. I'm ready to take the reins of my life. Like I truly want to create my own life. What is the first book to come to that comes to mind for you when you think of creating life on your own terms? Uh, 10x rule by Grant Cardone. It's a game changer because like everybody, like I remember the first time I tried to sell something and somebody told me, no, I like wanted to like shrivel up in a ball and die. 
Like when you realize the amount of action it takes to get anything you want in your life, it's that. I, rec- I always recommend that book and So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Just game changers. Mm. Ooh, I'm excited to read. Give us, give, give the people like the high level overview. Like what is the premise of the 10X rule? The 10X rule is it's going to take 10 times and honestly, sometimes 100 times more than the effort you think it's going to take to get what you want to get. Like, you know, if you want to make $10,000, shoot for $100,000 because you know what? You're going to realize it takes a lot more. You know what I mean? You're always going to underestimate the amount of effort. So why not just do more than you actually insure yourself because abundance is the only insurance of actually getting what you want. Mm, so good. And let me pause there to shout out one of the show sponsors, Audible, because as Sandy mentioned, listening to Grant Cardone on Audible, specifically Be Obsessed or Be Average, or one of his other books, The 10X Rule, is incredible. And you aren't always like right in front of a book. Sometimes you're driving or listening on the go. Audible is amazing for that. You can turn kind of dead, dead time, dead space into learning, growing. So if you want to check out Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash getting magnetic for a free 30-day trial. Back to the episode. Okay. Who has been one of your greatest mentors? Ooh, or who uh, is your greatest mentor? So David Breyer is one of like the biggest guys uh, in branding. He has a company called uh, risingabovethenoise.com. And he has been like one of my biggest mentors. He's introduced me to lots of incredible people. He's taught me so much about branding. um, And he's just been an incredible guy. Mm. I love that. So I'm going to pivot here. They're still on the fire round. I don't have this scripted. But when you think about, give me like the elevator pitch, like the one minute, two minute overview on we're all building a brand day in, day out. Yeah. You've specialized in building a brand. Mm-hmm. How does someone go about building a brand, whether they're an entrepreneur or not? Like, what are those key things? So you figure out what you stand for. You figure out what already exists in your space because you actually have to differentiate from it because too many people are like, oh, I'll just do it exactly that. So you have to find out what you stand for, differentiate from that, and you got to pound that home. And that means, you know, you basically got to just get out there in as many places as possible, tell as many people as possible. Um, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on your social media, whatever it is, you have to create, 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 because there's a lot of stuff out there. So you have to continually getting seen. Now, like there's a book I always recommend to people because you want to understand how that process works better. Um, it's called Positioning, The Battle of your, for Your Mind by Al Rees, um, because positioning is how you're seen in people's minds. Like, you know, what are you seen with? What are you seen against? And if you don't have your positioning right, you're never going to get your branding right. So you have to understand who you're positioned with and how you're positioning yourself. The way I can explain that, is when you look at Grant Cardone, what do you see? You see sophisticated badass. That's how he's positioned himself, right? You look at somebody like um, Warren Buffett. He has not positioned himself. He just made a lot of money. So people just think of old guy that has money. So like you want to really, if you want to stand out in branding, you need to position yourself against something or for something. So you need to really read that book. Mm. Quick follow-up fire round question from that. I think building a brand, like why is building a brand the most important thing you can do? Well, number one, because you're building an asset, right? Like, let's say, you know, you're building a certain business now, but you sell it and you do something else. Well, you still have an asset that people can find, you know, being your brand and how people understand you. That's why I think personal brands are really, really important. But at the same time, like, you're not going to be memorable in people's minds. Like, you know, they can have Coca-Cola, they can have Pepsi. You know what I mean? There needs to be a reason people are going to come to you. There needs to be a reason you stand out in people's mind. And that's what brand Mm. is. Okay. What's your biggest learning lesson in life? Doesn't need about business, but just like, what's something that like, you wish your younger self knew. How to catch a two-year-old, because let me tell you, <laughs> Jesus, she's fast. Um, like, no, nah, but in all seriousness, um, just like, you know, that life wasn't going to be what I thought it was, because like, at, and I don't mean that from the negative sense. I mean, like, 
I think sometimes the path we think to what we want is not that at all. And once you realize, once you're okay with that and you realize you have to actually create the path, you have to actually put the stones down to walk on, that's kind of when you're going to be more successful at that. But that's what I would say. You actually have to build the path. It's not there. Love that. Love that. Okay. Love this question. You know, we're, we're, we do dinner parties and stuff a good amount. And, you know, people do small talk, right? And we're like, gosh, we, we, we're busting through that small talk. I, I'm not going to ask, what do you do? This is one of our new questions. What are you most excited for in life right now? So it would, ask, it would depend on what area of, the light of life you ask me about. Like if you ask me like- Most excited what, overall, doing, like what on the horizon you are most excited oh, for? Come on, man. Like then it's Green Bay Packers, man. Like they're incredible this year. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is unstoppable. That is the thing I'm most excited about in life. Right Love now. it. Okay, cool. I thought for sure you were going to say baby number two on the day. <laughs> we got till April till that. The Super Bowl is in February. Yeah, right, come on, right. man. We got time. Okay, okay. He said right now, right now, February is before. Yep. True, true. Okay. Um, well, we are like so thankful to have you on here today. And we would love our listeners to know how to get in contact with you. What is the best way for people yeah. to stay in touch, to follow you, to be inspired by you, to work with you, all those types of things. So if they want to check out the podcast, that's over at jeremyryanslate.com or on any major podcast platform. Um, we've talked about a lot about harnessing attention and, and getting seen in the right way. And if they're really looking for help with that, I put together an awesome resource for them called The Seven Reasons You're Not Getting Booked on Your Favorite Podcasts. Um, and you can get that over at commandyourbrand.com slash seven reasons. And the word seven or the number seven will work for that. Mm. Awesome. Anything else on your heart you want to share today? Any like last thoughts? I would just say, don't let other people steal their dreams, you know, be willing to understand that like they have their own hopes, dreams and aspirations, and you have to be the one responsible for yours. So I would say, don't let other people take your dreams, just go make them. Mm, Mike yeah. drop. Mike drop. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure <laughs> kicking it with you, getting to know you better, Jeremy. And I know everyone is just getting massive value out of this. So thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is awesome. Appreciate you. Wow, what a great interview and episode today with Jeremy Slate. Just another amazing example of an entrepreneur willing to step outside of the box, willing to go against the grain to ultimately create his own life and then building a brand and a company around a podcast, around creating your own life. And if you got value out of today's episode, if you've been getting value out of these episodes and you haven't rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the podcast, I got a question for you. What are you doing? I want you to stop right now, whatever you're doing, unless you're driving, and I want you to drop a rating, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast. It would mean the world to us. We appreciate you. And share it with someone who would get benefit out of this episode or this podcast. And don't forget, you can connect with us at Getting Magnetic on Instagram, at Sandy Claus 7 or at Wellness with Wade. And if you have a guest, a topic, something that you'd want covered or someone's story that you'd want shared, especially if it's Matthew McConaughey, email us at gettingmagnetic at gmail.com. Only those that can see the invisible can do the impossible. So remember, you are magnetic.